privilege to be with you again, and we like coming up here, not just for the grandkids, but for the church as well. Uh, my other daughter is married to his cousin in Oklahoma City. And uh, so Kevin Bontrager uh, worked up the nerve due to his aunt uh, introducing them when they were at college together. And uh, so anyhow, I'm, I'm glad to know them and the family and a lot that goes on in the Amish communities. When, when I actually bought some property down in Missouri and built a cabin years ago, it was right on the edge of an Amish community. <clears throat> and little did I know at the time the reason God put me there, but it was actually so that a couple of men could get saved, their wives, and then they moved out of the community and are now, one of them, a missionary to Amish down in Kentucky. And so Jonas Yoder and then Leroy, his brother-in-law as well. And so it's a privilege to be able to tell people about Christ. And that's what I want to do this evening is I'm going to give you a little bit of update on the ministry, what we're doing. And there's a little bit going on and we're glad that we're able to do it. But the need is great around the world for the Word of God. And we're glad that we're able to do that. One September 2001, I started doing this and did not know what all God would allow us to make happen. But I praise the Lord He's used me in order to do that. So I'm going to step to the side so that you can start the slides. It used to be literally that. How many? No, don't tell your age. But it used to be literally slides. We are stationed out of Festus, Missouri, down south of St. Louis is our sending church. And uh, we travel, as you will see later. Uh, our pastor, two years now, has been at the church, James King, and yes, his middle initial is V, so KJV, and a lot of people joke about that, but we're glad to have him uh, as our pastor. Now then, there we go. What we do is we have churches that help to work up the Scripture. We primarily started doing John and Romans and was able to send them, but there are a lot of churches around the world now that are wanting New Testaments or even whole Bibles due to things. Arabic world, they will point at the fact that you're only sending a part of the Bible because you don't want them to know the rest. And they will go back to Genesis all the way to Ishmael instead of Isaac. Okay, and they will say he's the rightful heir. And so if you don't have the whole Bible to them, they will say, see, you're trying to hide it. And so we have learned what is the most important thing to do, and that's give them what they need and that they won't criticize, but yet they'll accept. And so we've been doing that. But we have churches that help us to work the scripture up. It's bought by churches, printed at a church and then sent to people to start churches. And we'll get more involved in that later. But we load those boxes into a container. We have prayer and dedication over that. And then it goes overseas. Once it arrives on the field, a lot of people don't get to see what happens unless you take a missions trip. And how many of you have been and seen? A couple of you, okay? You were brave enough to... No. But we are able to do that and to send it so that those people over there might have Scripture. And I, the reason I narrate this and tell you about it is because it makes a difference. These aren't just people. These are souls that are hungry for the Word of God. Here, these are, are men on your right, 
my left that are actually pastors over in Nigeria. How many of you know what goes on in Nigeria? How many of you know what's available in Nigeria? Well, they don't have bookstores. They don't have the capability to buy a Bible. It's not there. And so we have a couple of contacts that we've sent Scripture to in Nigeria, and then they have several churches that want that material and hand it out. And so we have had the privilege of sending that over there, three containers so far. We're working on a fourth container of Scripture to send. But these pastors that are there in that picture did not even have a whole Bible. And we were privileged to have some Bibles, just like you have, nice Bible that was given to us. So we sent them so that the pastors could have a whole Bible. Well, then a coup started in the churches. The pastor's wife said, well, we don't have. You think the missionary would send us a Bible as well? And so we put it out and we were able actually to get enough to send over to them some nice Bibles that they would appreciate as well. And then we were also able to get some pew Bibles so that they could have them in the congregation, not so they can take home, because if they take them home, they don't get back to church. Wouldn't that be a bad problem in America? Uh huh. But anyhow, they were able to get those. But these pastors are doing a Bible institute there with Brother Mark Holmes. He's been there a number of years. And Brother Mark called me back in March of this year, and he said, Samuel, I have a problem. I have 132 churches in Nigeria that knows I get containers of Scripture. We need more. What can you do to help us? And I said, I will go to churches and tell them. And so we have now taken on and we are doing a container of Scripture a year to go to Nigeria. That's about 275,000 John and Romans and about 20,000 New Testaments. And then if we get Bibles, we will put the Bibles in there and not put the John and Romans so they will have more whole Bibles in order to send. Now, the price of Bibles, like a pew Bible, has went up. And I don't know if you've tried to buy any lately, but the cheapest we can get them when we buy them in bulk is $10 a piece. Nice vinyl back on them, and they are able to get them. And so we have churches that help us to do that, to send over so that they have whole Bibles in their churches. And if they get enough, then they can take some home but they have New Testaments in John and Romans that they're able to do that. My brother Holmes said, I have 132 churches that are asking for Scripture. And praise the Lord, there's a desire there. Now, many countries right beside that have had all kinds of Muslim takeover and government. And so they're not allowed. But they're taking them in there and then taking them to other countries over there in Africa as a result of it. And so you pray for those men as they're out there and doing the work. These are some of the other countries of the world that we've been able to send John and Romans to. We're, we're talking about the Dominican Republic and then over into Ivory Coast and then into uh, Zambia. And, and they're able to hand that out. And you can see the conditions are not like they are here but they still need the Word of God. Whoa, now it goes more. We've, we flashed, okay, a bunch. These are pictures of over in Thailand. And I met a man about five years ago by the name of Curtis Hall. And he directs a Best Missions. 
And he goes over into Southeast Asia and he helps those national pastors get material. Bibles, John and Romans, New Testaments, as well as any material that they can use to help train young pastors in the ministry because they don't have Bible colleges. They've got Bible institutes where they're teaching them. And so Brother Hall said, I need to have a million Thai a year for the next 20 years. And we have the people in Thailand that are willing to hand it out if they have it. And so far, we've been able to print and send about three and a half million Thai John and Romans, as well as we've been able to send over 40,000 New Testaments and 5,000 whole Thai Bibles to Thailand to help meet some of that need. But Brother Hall says, I can use two containers a year over there. And then he has a couple of other churches and printing ministries that's trying to help him, like Brother Petraco out in Rapid City actually worked up and sent him a container of Scripture as well. But they are wanting Scripture over there. And we can make a difference, folks, if, if you go. But they're able to hand it out in school, buses, anywhere that there's people. They're able to hand it out and, and get it to the people. Here's a picture of over in the Philippines, up on the top left. And then India, uh, and I'll tell you more about some of those and the projects as we get to preaching. And then those uh, others are over in uh, Mozambique when we sent some, and they went across from Zambia down into Mozambique to some people over there. And so praise the Lord, we're able to get the Scripture. One thing we've never found is they can't hand it out. And one thing we've never found is that no results are coming back from sending those containers. I'm getting messages all the time from around the world of people that are being saved as a result of the Scripture that we're sending out to them. Since I started in 2001, we've been able to get together a, a bunch of churches that want to help us and be involved. And so as I direct all of this effort, we now have 45 churches that are helping us to make this happen. But it takes about $60,000 a container in order to do it. And so we're sending right now, we have a request for six containers a year, but also we're helping to send Spanish down to the border between Mexico and the United States. And they're helping to hand those out in all those centers where the immigrants are at as they're trying to process, but then also sending them on into Central and South America as well so that they may have the gospel. And so we appreciate everybody that's involved. What have we been able to do? Uh, just a little drop in the bucket of the need. But we appreciate churches that help us and get involved in it so that we can make an effort in that. What are we working? Thai to go to Thailand, English for the Philippines, English for Nigeria, Spanish, and then Tamil to go to, over to India. And it, during the sermon, I'm going to tell you some more specifics about some of those results and the things that are happening as that. So we appreciate all the churches helping and making it happen. It's not because I'm looking for funds. It's because I'm looking for your account in heaven to have something in it. And if you're involved in it, then you are helping to make that happen. And I really greatly appreciate the churches and the people that want to get involved. God's Word says it won't return void. It's going to have an effect. 
And I praise the Lord, I've been to several countries of the world and got to see results personally of some of the containers of Scripture that we've sent and hear from the people personally their testimony of what happened once they received it. And it's a blessing to be able to hear that, especially knowing the conditions in which they live on a daily basis and they don't know that they're missing what we think we have to have. And so I just appreciate the church telling or helping us and getting involved. And I love telling you about it so that you're more uh, open to and and, and knowing what the the funds go towards. One of the other things that we're working on is we had on Christmas, I told you uh, for you that were here, uh, we had a surprise and we had a water leak. and, And we lost a bunch of Bibles, New Testaments and John and Romans. In that, about $50,000 worth because of a water leak. The Lord helped us to replace that. But then we started working on trying to get a facility because we were actually in the basement of the gymnasium. And we've since replumbed that gymnasium, but we need to have space in order to do that. A lot of things in the last three years have changed in my ability to send containers. Right now, it's hard to get into some of those countries, a whole container. Uh, we're working on, and, and it, it was not up there, but we're working on some Japanese. But you can't send a container of Japanese to Japan. That's an insult to them because you're trying to change their culture and customs. And so we're having to take and send just a few at a time in order for the missionaries to get them in. And we have to send them to individuals, not to a church. And the same thing is starting to happen over in the Philippines. A lot of the uh, people over there and the, and the efforts of the Philippine government, they want a national language. And they know that the Bibles that are going into the Philippines are in English, a lot of them, and the people want to learn English so that they can have better jobs. And, and the international language is English, folk. And if they can learn that, then they have a leg up on everybody. And so when I went to the Philippines back in 2013, I was actually able to see people and talk to people in English that had received it, and they're improving their English by doing it. And you know what? In America, it'd improve our English too if we get back to the Bible. Okay? So that's that was for free. But anyhow, if you would, turn to Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter number 14. <clears throat> Go down to verse number 21. We won't read the entire passage here, but we find that Paul was taken out and stoned, got up after he was left for dead, and what did he do? And this is a challenge to me every time I read this and everything I, every time I think about it. You know, sometimes I get some bumps and bruises and I get some aches and pains, and as I get older, you know, praise the Lord, I can. Okay, the alternative would be heaven, of course. But as I get there, I realize Paul went through a whole lot more. And as I've been to some of these countries of the world and got to meet people who have been persecuted for the cause of Christ, I haven't had nothing, nothing compared to what they've gone through. And if we weren't live stream, I'd tell you a lot more about those incidents 
but I, I won't because I don't want to jeopardize that uh, and those people. Acts chapter number 14, verse number 21. It says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. Now, I could stop right there, and there's a whole lot of sermon right involved in that. But we see right there, what is the main effort that they were doing as missionaries? And your missionaries that you support, that you send out, are supposed to be doing what? Reaching souls for Christ. The main effort, the focus is not on, like some people say, well, Brother Martin, you've been to 50 countries. You've got a lot of tourists in. No, I didn't. I would like to have thought I did, but trust me, the places I've been and the things that it was not touristy. But I praise God, I was able to see the people and interact with the people. Why? They have a soul. And what does that soul need more than anything? Christ. I mean, as an engineer officer, I was able to go to countries and provide a lot of nice things to increase their capabilities you know, in comfort. But the focus for me is not on that. It is for the soul of man. Because everywhere I've went, every person that I've seen, every person I've got has the same need, and that's Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to get to know Christ as your Savior. What's interesting to me is I've been those places and they don't have, like we take for granted here, when they have Christ, they have joy. Something that you cannot get from anything else except for Christ in your heart. And when you see the conditions that they're living in and the way that their life is hard labor just to live and they have Christ and they have a smile better than most Christians in churches in America with all the creature comforts of life. We know what joy comes from and that's Christ in your heart, not the rest. Yes, it's nice to have a nice place with air conditioning to go to. But I've seen them and have preached to them underneath the shade tree. And they will listen. They're hungry for. In fact, when I asked Brother Banwell my first trip in 2005 to India, I said, Brother Banwell, how long should I preach? And he says, don't worry, you can't preach that long. They're hungry for the gospel. Why? They want to hear more about. They have 300 million gods in the Hindu religion. Think of your life. Days in your life so far. You couldn't even serve one of them a day for all of your life and get 300 million. And that's their normal everyday religion. It's sad. But what's so wonderful is, is when you talk to somebody and you see them, they want to come up and they want to tell you, you know, all of the things that I've been through, all the things that I've done, all of the ways that I've tried to appease these gods, never once did I ever think or feel or have any intuition that there was even listening to me or appreciated what I was doing. But when I got a hold of Christ... I know. He spoke to me. He, I knew without a doubt I had finally what I was looking for in all the rest and could not find. Here, they weren't on a tourist trip. And if your missionaries are on a tourist trip, fire them. Get somebody that's not. But I know most of your missionaries, and I don't think they're doing that. 
They're there to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And that's what they went to to do in those places. Confirming the souls. I, I, I want to stop right there. and I, I want to preach the whole message, but I don't have time. But you know, we mess around in churches on topics rather than really getting down to the meat of the Word of God. Back then, they didn't have Bibles like a lot of people that I've told you about. And there's more out there. 8.4 billion people in the world. They don't have, but they're hungry to listen to. In fact, about two months ago, I was in Kirksville, Missouri, a church up there that has supported us almost the entire time that we've been in the ministry of 22 years now. Brother Aaron Rogerson up there at Kirksville. And I was surprised when I went into church that morning that there was a young man there. And I thought, he looks familiar. Well, I had to jump back when he told me his name because he was born in 2003. His parents went to Cambodia, Eli Schrock. Their oldest boy was at the church there. And he was telling me, he's in Bible college, and he's telling me about what's happening as a result of the scripture we sent to them in that container. In itself was a, 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 a act of God because we had sent to them 77,000 Khmer, put it in Eli's personal container, shipped it, got it into the country, and they knew that it was heavy. It wasn't just household things. But every box that they pointed to for Eli to open up was his personal Bible library. And he, they overlooked 77,000 Khmer John and Romans that we had put in that container. But his son is now telling me at that church stories of what's happening as a result of them being over there for all these years and doing the things that God sent them to do. And I've heard from other missionaries who also received that scripture over there but he told me, he says, Samuel, he said, some of the churches that we have started since we've been there, still to this day, all that they have is that manila covered John and Romans for a Bible in their church. And when they go to that church or when the pastor preaches from that church, only thing he can use for scripture is the John and Romans that we sent over 20 years ago now. Praise the Lord. But he told me the number of churches that are now established and using that to house their church services. When Brother Byers introduced me to this ministry back in 2000 down here in Sioux Falls at Eastside Baptist Church, he said, Samuel, I want to give you something. And he gave to me a single page of a John and Romans. And I think I've shown that here. But it's a single page of a John and Romans. And that's all that they had behind the Iron Curtain in Russia when it was illegal in an underground church. And they told of how many people had been saved. And in 91, when they lifted the, 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 I guess, all the restrictions and they were able to go in as missionaries over there, Brother Byers took them a whole Bible and said, here, this is, and they said, we've only had this one page. Can you imagine Romans part of three and four about Christ being the one who can save them from their sins? Important passage. And then he gave me a part of a Bible that had worn and tattered that that's all that they had as well in another church and told of how many people had been saved. 
You know, it's wonderful to be able to hear those testimonies. But today, there are people that have been saved as a result of Paul and them going to those cities and churches being established. When I went to India and I get to see all of those churches that have St. Thomas, St. Thomas, St. Thomas, St. Thomas, because the apostle from the Bible went to India. Yes, it's been perverted and it's mostly Catholic churches now, but you can see as he went, landed on the western side of it all the way to the tip of India and back up the other side until he was martyred. And there's a place where he was martyred and they still have it. They still recognize, and that's in Hindu government. But they know the truth. They've had it. And that's what we need to do. Let's go on for verse number 23 before I run out of time. It says, And when they had ordained them elders in every church, that's getting a pastor in the church, okay? And they prayed with fasting, and they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Folks, that's the important thing right there. As a missionary is to report back to the churches that are helping you to do the mission work. It's not just me going out. It's the Lord allowing me to go out and to represent you as a church in the efforts of raising up people who know Christ as their Savior, submit their lives to the Lord, and then become more than just an attendee. And we in the church are a missionary And every time we go out the doors of the church, we're supposed to be telling other people about Christ. That's the important thing of life. Yes, it's nice to go to the job and it's nice to have the paycheck come in. But, you know, you can witness everywhere you're at. In fact, just the other night we went to Culver's here in town and there was a couple of elder people that were there and they were on their way to another city. And they were talking about buying gasoline in their car. And I heard it and I said, you don't want to buy gas there. It's more expensive than here. Come to find out they're Christians. It was wonderful to be able to talk to them about the ministry. But if I never opened my mouth, how would they know? I could give you hundreds of examples of over the years that I've had the privilege to be able to meet people. I was in the airport one time traveling in the military and the whole place was full. And, and you know how it gets in between. Well, maybe you don't. You haven't. Full, but there was the whole place is full and, and a man sitting on one side of the booth and the other booth. And I said, sir, do you mind if I sit down here? He says, no, I don't mind a bit. And so I bowed my head and prayed over my food and I got done. He says, so you must be a Christian. I said, yes, sir, I am. Told him who I was and what I do. And he goes, so what do you do? I said, I'm an engineer officer in the Army right now. This is before I got off of active duty. And I was able to tell him about Christ. And he said, well, I believe in Christ too. I accepted Christ as my Savior. I was just diagnosed with cancer and told that I have three months and I'm on my way to family in another state so that I can visit them and see them before I pass. We had prayer together and he said, Wow, what an encouragement to meet somebody who knows and cares enough to simply just bow their head and pray. You know, your testimony of where you are and what you do on a daily basis can make a world of difference. You don't have to go to a service and and just be in a church in order to be a testimony. You are a testimony every time you leave. 
How do you think that these men, as they were out doing the missionary work that they had been called to do, how do you think that they were an influence to the people? They didn't have a John and Romans or a Bible to hand anybody back then. It was all by word of mouth. That's a challenge to me once again as to what do I do with my conversation? Do I lead it toward the weather and how miserable I can be or how nice it is? Or do I talk to them about God created the weather? I just got to live in it, get used to it. I was just telling your, your youth pastor's wife, I'm sorry I don't know you, about the welcome to South Dakota back in 2000 when the army moved me here. How cold it was and how much snow. But you know what? I soon found out that there's a good church here that's reaching people here that care about souls here that are supporting missionaries. And that's where we joined and that's where I got called into the ministry of doing this from. But tonight I want to focus on and I want to tell you about some of the results of some of the things that you have been involved in over the years. I want to give to you illustrations of exactly what this scripture is talking about. Those men went someplace and they done something that changed that area for Christ. That's the important thing. I, I look back and, and all of the places that I got to go to in my life. In fact, I was just visiting with somebody the other day and, and they said something. And I said, well, I was a missionary kid when I was growing up. When I was 10 years old, my parents went to American Samoa. They did not have. We were the first Baptist missionaries on the island in 1972. Mormons were there. Congregational church was there. Catholics were there. But I praise the Lord that there's five independent Baptist churches in American Samoa and they're able to send other missionaries out to other places. In fact, I met a, a, a lady that was Samoan in a, in a medical facility down there in, in Waynesville, Missouri. And I could see that she was Samoan. I, I met a Samoan lady here in town. It wasn't so positive. But anyhow, I, 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 the people at WW Tire appreciated me. I'll leave it at that. But anyhow, I, I, I said Talofa. And she goes, I know that's my language, but I don't speak it. And so we got to talk about Samoa back in the 70s. And, and I told her why we were there. What a way to open up and to witness to somebody. Praise the Lord for that opportunity. I would not have been able to do. But as the Lord has allowed me to travel and to see and to do, I, I never expected that later on in life, God would say, Samuel, I want you to do this. But with the way churches are going now and the corruption that's being put out. Now, by the way, there's a lot of presses that are printing what they call a Bible. Okay, but it's not God's word. It's been changed. Some intentionally some subverted. We've got some people that have got some presses that are changing capital S's on Savior. Makes a difference. One who renders aid or the one and only who died on the cross for you and I so that we can know Christ is our Lord and Savior. They're also changing a bunch of other words in there to make it like some of the other perversions that are out there. And most people don't know their Bible well enough to know. How about in sample versus example? Huh? Go home, look it up. You won't find it in a modern dictionary. You got to go to an old one because it makes a difference. And I tell people at churches, words have meaning. Listen to the words and you can learn a lot about people, their choice that they use. 
how they say that. But what people need is the Word of God, and I'm glad that we've been able to do it. I went on a mission trip, my first one after I had I got into the ministry and started doing over to India back in 2005. And Brother Banwell, and some of you knew him, he, he asked me to come over. He said, Samuel, I have pastors that want to come to India, but they won't go to the rough areas. You're a military guy, right? What do you say? Yeah. He says, I want to take you to places that they've never seen a white man before. And I was there. I had them rub on my skin. I know how some of those missionaries way back is still happening today. Why? Because nobody's been there and give them the gospel. I went to this village, was able to preach there two different nights, and we saw several hundred people get saved, not because of me, but because they hadn't heard the word of God before. Praise the Lord for that. In fact, I can tell you so many stories, but I was there back in 2019 on a trip. And I went over there to help teach about the Word of God with another pastor. We were trying to do local church planting principles. And I went over there, and we were at a conference. There's about 60 pastors from churches that had come, and I'm talking about the Word of God and the importance of it and handing it out, and they know that. Just wanted to encourage them on their efforts. After that was over, three young men come up, and they're probably in their mid-twenties. And they came up and they said, Mr. Martin, we want you to know, back in 2005, you came over. We were in the village that you had sent the container of Scripture to. We accepted Christ as our Savior after most of the village was killed in that tsunami. We knew there had to be something more. And when the pastors started passing out and canvassing in that area with the Word of God, we took it and we started reading it. And it wasn't just words on a page like most places or most things that are put out. It started speaking to us. We read in there that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We read in there that it's not by works, it's, it's because of us accepting Christ by faith, believing in our heart that He died on the cross for our sins and He making a way for us to go to heaven. It, we believe when it said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I believe it when he said, and they started telling me, they said, we got saved as a result of reading this. And they pulled out those John and Romans that they had. 14 years ago, they had received it. And so I said, sir, what do you do? And the first man says, I'm a pastor of a church. I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I now pastor of a church, about 150 people, told me the village. The next man says, sir, I surrendered my life to the Lord as well. And the Lord called me into ministry, and I pastored a church, and he told me the village, and he told me the number of people. And, and the third man said this almost the same thing. Why? Because the Lord spoke to them through that scripture. You know, if we give out God's word, that's what they did there. They weren't able to just sit down and read it right then, but in the evening when they went to their home and they started reading that, the Lord spoke to them. You know, your pastor can get up here and he can preach a message and it can go in one ear and out the other. I don't say nothing. But when it gets to here, 
and goes to here and changes you, you'll know it. And you'll want to do something about it. You can't just sit there anymore and be a bump on a log. You're going to be wanting to tell people of Christ. That's what these men were doing. They could have been comfortable back home in their own conditions and eating their own foods and enjoying their creature comforts of where they... But the Lord asked them to go to some place. What if we had never sent Scripture? What if I had never went? Would those people know Christ? I don't know that, but I praise the Lord we had churches that helped us to send that Scripture over there. That container of Scripture was like about number five out of the 80 I told you. But since then, I've heard of thousands of people that have surrendered their life to the Lord just like those three young men and are now serving the Lord in some capacity. And that's exactly what we read in this Scripture when they confirmed souls. They commended them to a work. Why? Because it's the most important thing in life. I want to tell you too about churches in, over in Kenya. I had the privilege to go to Kenya on a trip. And I did not have a clue when I went over there what all I would face. But the Lord gave me peace to know that I should go. And I went to Nakuru a town there where Robert Mickey had started a church. In fact, he started several. But there were so many people as well as refugees that were coming out of other countries that are in Africa that, that he started a Bible institute the Lord says, I want you to do. And when I was there, there were over 60 men from 13 different countries that are there in that Bible. They started nine churches over in Congo, but they need to have Scripture. Right now, they're doing just like then. They were listening only. They didn't have a printed page. And it challenged my heart. Why is it that Kenya doesn't have more of the gospel? But yet we have men that are willing to go to places we can't go. Brother Julius was telling me about going to Somalia, his home country, and how at the time I, I couldn't even get a visa to get into the country. But I don't know if I'd want to. But at the same time, this is a man from that country who got saved and now is going back as a missionary. And while he's at the Bible Institute learning, he's handing out John and Romans to every kid coming out of the school because he has a burden to see at least some scripture in every home of every one of those children. And he says, believe it or not, I've seen people that will carry that back to school and they'll ask their teacher, how do you read this? What does this mean? I'm going to tell it. But we have people in churches in America that don't even know their Bible and don't know the words that are in there well enough either. But they're hungry for the gospel. I was able to meet and visit. But praise the Lord, I come back from that trip. The Lord says, you need to do something. When He does, what do you do? Do it. And I went to churches and was able to raise the money. We've been able to send two containers of Scripture, over half a million Scripture over there to help meet the need of those people. They're sending people to 13 different countries as missionaries out of Nakuru. Why? Because the Holy Spirit spoke to their heart. And they're needing to have the help 
I'd love to be able to send every year to Brother Mickey a container of Scripture so that he could give it out to those people to take back to their country. Quite frankly, I don't have the funds to do that. But I praise the Lord I was able to go. I got a call, like I told you, from Brother uh, Mark Holmes over in Nigeria. He calls me one day. It's nighttime for him there. And he says, Samuel, I need a container a year. I have 132 churches that know that I'm getting Scripture from you. Send to me. I need 20,000 New Testaments in every container at least. Can you help us to raise the funds to do it? And they're a dollar and eight cents for a New Testament to have printed. I'd love to say I've got all the money I need to print 20,000 of those, but you know what? I go to churches and as the Lord burdens people, they give me the funds to do it. Why? Because of like my last slide. I'm not looking for the money. I'm looking for an account of yours to say, I'm saved because of. That's what matters. I, I, I better hurry. We've got a few minutes. I want to tell you too about the villages in Zambia. Brother Schrader. He, in fact, I was at Kirksville and I didn't know they supported him. I hadn't got to the missionary wall on that side. I'd read this wall between Sunday school and church. But they supported him and they knew and this confirmed it. But he has started churches and villages over in Zambia as a result. But the challenge for him when he goes, it's a cultural thing over there. And so when he goes to the village, he knows, he learned very quickly. Go find the guy who's in charge, the tribal chief. Ask that man for permission. And so he would go to that man. He'd ask as he walks into the village. And it's pretty hard when you're a white guy in a black country, okay? But you know what? Our soul was black too before Christ came in and saved us. But he'll go and he'll ask him, who's, who's the leader? Take me to the leader. Take me to who's in charge. And he'll go to there and he'll say, I have this. And he'll hand to them a track and a John and Romans. And I'd like for you to be able to have everybody in your community to be able to have one of these. And many a times the village chief would say, okay, I'll allow you to do that on one condition. Now, what does a missionary say? No, I'm not going to meet a condition. Or I'll try my best. And that's what he said. Not knowing what the tribal leader was going to say. He says, if you promise you'll come back in a week and you'll answer all of the questions that we have off of that material, I'll allow you to hand it out. Now, how many of us would take that challenge on? How many of us are secure enough in the Word of God that we have, we read, I hope, daily and understand and know the meat of? to be able to go to some village where they are heathen, pagan, not knowing Christ and wanting it, and then they want to know the answers to the rest of. And so he said, yes, I'll be glad to. He would then be able to hand that out in the village, and he set the date, and he'd come back into the village, and he said that I'd sit there for hours, and I'd take every question, and he said I'd take my Bible with me. And he says, the Lord is blessed. And he said, we've been able to start a church in 12 villages. In fact, he said, I think everybody that was of the age of accountability in several of those villages, after answering all those questions, bowed their head and asked Jesus Christ to come in their heart and save them. Can you imagine how that God can change an entire continent with His Word? Not because of me, not because of the missionary, but because of God's Word. I praise the Lord, I have the ability to print and to send Scripture everywhere in the world. We've been able to do 16 different languages just to drop in the bucket. 
But most all of those are trade languages and people are wanting or hungry for. And I praise the Lord we're able to get that so that they may have. They need that. We want to get that to them. And there is a difference between that. Now the last verse, and I didn't read that to you because I know of time and I'm going to honor that. But it says that they were there and when they had come, they gathered the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done with them and how He opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. They were there a long time telling about what happened. We've only had just a few minutes this evening to give you just a few of the illustrations and examples that I know that has happened as a result of this Scripture. I know from being on the mission field and seeing firsthand, talking to those people, hearing when I was in India and they had a, a baptismal service and, and they have, this would be new for America, but they have them all come right up here to the front that are candidates for baptism. And it's not to embarrass, but they want to make sure that they know who Jesus Christ is. He's not just another G God, but He's the one and only. And they have to tell their testimony of salvation. And it was so wonderful to be able to hear this one lady tell. And, and Brother Banwell is interpreting as she's saying it and telling how that she had every day went by so many statues for years on her way to school. Giving this, giving that, giving this, praying this. You know, went through it. He said, never once in all my years of going to school did I ever hear, get a feeling of, or any inclination that they cared but somebody give to me one of these John and Romans. And I took it home after school and I read it. And it spoke to me. And that's something that I had not received out of all those others for all of those years. And I knew something was different. And so I did what it says. And I bowed my head and I confessed my sins. I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. To forgive me of all those things that I had done wrong and knew that there was a hope of eternity in heaven as a result. You see, all of those other G-gods that they serve over there is only an effort to where they could possibly achieve because they believe in reincarnation. You know what that means? Some of us will come back as a rat like we are. But she said, when I bowed and asked Jesus to come to my heart, I knew right then it's what I was missing. I don't know about you tonight. I don't know if you're saved or not. But I want to tell you this. If people in foreign countries get it, and they don't have, what about us in America where we do have? We have churches everywhere. We have Scripture everywhere. We have. And it's so difficult for us to just believe what is being told to us. But I'm telling you, every knee will bow and everyone will confess at some point in time that they're a sinner needing to be saved. Some, it'll be too late because they tried to put it off. Don't put off salvation, folks. Don't put off the Word of God when it's preached and people hear and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you just like He does all of the rest of the 8.4 billion in the world. Heed the Holy Spirit when He leads you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to turn the invitation over to the pastor in just a minute, but I want everybody to think about something right now.
your head bowed and your eyes closed, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you asked Him to come in 